Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. Hi, kids. Hello. Um, Hi. It's early April edition. Um, when is wait. this episode coming out? I mean, it'll um, be out. <laughs> I probably, actually don't. Probably uh, a few days after we're, we're done recording. Yeah. Yeah, we're on schedule. The fourth? Good. The fourth? Right, probably. Maybe. The don't, fifth? Hold me. don't hold me to it. I'm uh, not. I'm the not. Kids, kids know I've been going through it. So, um, Do they? <laughs> I, yeah, I, when I just, aren't you going through it <laughs> I mean, yeah um That's let's your look brand. at my life um i'm i'm like two doctors lower today because i'm i um, i was gonna say you sound like very masked right now I and know. i am feeling I, it I'm, masked. Masked. I'm, here, I'm here right. it's like you're like radio host voice you know <laughs> um i don't know what came over me but i have been uh very congested and so i'm speaking you sound today. very sexy let me appreciate it here um but i i left work early today and um i had a bowl of uh a ramen soup from my favorite place and then a three-hour nap and i feel golden right now so you're uh you just get the golden benefits of um me sounding like this so sure. here for it anyways <laughs> it, uh, that's about here. you <laughs> i'm right here i'm c tepper <laughs> and this is and we uh, always cut, cut out. out. We yeah. always yeah, cut out, you know. no matter what. <laughs> it happens. Um, Caitlin, what are we doing today? Who are we doing? Who are we talking to? Uh, another podcast. Podcast. Our trend. <laughs> our trend of recording other podcasts. You know. I mean, it makes the, sense, right? Yeah, yeah, it does. Why not? Spread <laughs> the love. Everyone exactly. loves a podcast. Exactly. Yes. I uh, feel like anyone who listens to us is probably going to be familiar with mm-hmm. the Block Talks host, Michael Block. Hello. Welcome, I, I Michael. think so. I think we have a we have a. Similar it's probably crossover. it's kind of like mm-hmm. I'm assuming the same audience. We don't have much of an audience, but we appreciate the ones that listen. I, I like going through um, my statistics on my current hosting. I have to change hosting platform soon because oh. Um, they only can take 450 episodes and I'm almost at 450. So I guess uh, congrats to me, but I have to find someone else. But um, I have a lot of international listeners from places that I didn't know listen to podcasts, which is cool. Like where? Um, like literally you pick a country and there's at least one person listening. That's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. I don't that always boggles my mind. <laughs> yeah. The, it may be spam. And uh, you know what? I'll take the spam. At least Hell it's a yeah. listen. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm here for that. Yeah, I think fun. um we always me and Caitlin always like to look at our I think Spotify analytics. At the, and, only the end of the year. We do yeah, not look like any other yeah. stats because we don't have ads, so it doesn't really matter to us. Yeah. And so we like we just look at it, we're like, hmm. I think we year. have one from Mexico this year. We so, have a lot of Canadian okay. listeners. Yeah, we do. Um, but that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Anyways. Love the Canadians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So your podcast was just nominated for a Glam Award. Woo. It was. Uh, second time, second loss. Yeah. <laughs> <Losers> Club. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I'm honored to get another nomination. Obviously, I've got nominations in other categories for the Glam Awards. Um, still have not won any. I think I'm an eight-time loser, uh, which is fine. I just was I, this year when we got back to normal, I was a little upset about how they did the voting. Um, and I made it known the second it was released, I sent a message to Cherry and she left me on red. What but were you upset about? That it was a public vote again. Oh, that was again. my only issue. Yeah. I, if I lose in a, a jury of my peers, I can take that. At least yeah, I yeah. know it's my peers saying you're not good enough yet. Um, but for random people just voting and they see a drag queen from yeah. a drag race and that's yep. the only name they know, course the votes are going that way oh yeah not to take anything away from uh bunny and monet their show's great it's just we're in two different leagues well my thing is like if you don't if it's a new york city based like event shouldn't you live in new york city to be nominated i don't you go to the event also oh 
we all know that Monet is bicoastal and Lady Bunny's dead. So um, I don't see the yeah. issue here. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I just, we just always want to be nominated. We don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is an honor to be nominated. It's an honor to dress up. Um, yeah. It's an honor to take pictures for people. It's great. It's a great time. Exactly. What were the other categories you've been nominated in? I've been nominated almost every year that I've been in nightlife been up for best writer blogger okay um which was again another category that was a little yep. controversial this year um Ooh. literally the second that happened me and sylvester messaged each other like it's musto we know what happened um i've been nominated for best event producer once that Ooh. was during my iconic days yeah um i was nominated for best digital series last year when it was the digital awards um i think those are basically all the categories um but yeah it, it's it, it's fun it's it's nice to be recognized i think because mm-hmm. we all put in a lot of work and, yeah. and sometimes it feels like it can go unseen and yeah it's a glamour it really doesn't mean anything um but at the end of the day it's still the feeling of being recognized and feeling like your work means something we agree <laughs> uh, yeah um i mean it looks great on a cv let's yeah, be real it does. <laughs> it sure does <laughs> Uh, and the thing is, people outside of like New York nightlife, like who don't like aren't a part of it, have no idea what a glam award is. <laughs> I just say I got nominated for an award, and people are like, "Oh, that's cool." So yeah. <laughs> that's smart. They don't yeah, even know what. Just like my other know. award that I did win, uh, I don't talk about the specifics of the name anymore because of who it's attached to. But that's okay; Ooh. it's still an award. Ooh. Ooh. We'll get to that later, I'm sure. We will. I mean, I, I put everything down. So <laughs> we'll definitely get to it. <laughs> so enough about the glams. Let's talk about your podcast. How did yeah. it all begin? So basically, my website, Theater in the Now, is in year 10. Um, I started that 10 years ago. Um, I wanted it to be, when I first started it, to be like the theater version of Perez Hilton. That changed very, very quickly, like mm. not even a month into it. It's like, fuck that. I'm not going to be a gossip columnist. Mm. I'm not here for it. I'm not drawing dicks on um, Pilot Lapone's face. Um, yeah. So I started doing... Uh, interviews with some uh, indie theater artists and that turned into me going to review some indie theater for the Fringe Festival, New York Fringe. Ah, I love the Fringe. And then I got added to like press lists and people like, can you go review shows? I was like, I don't have experience in this, but sure, let's do it. Um, and it just kind of cannonballed and I got pretty big within um, New York theater and it got to the point where I was interviewing people very, very regularly on the website in a print medium. And I was like, you know what? I want to expand these conversations. So I started the podcast, I think in 2015 was the first two episodes that I released um, with two director friends of mine. And I did it in person, live on their sets of their um, the theater they were directing. And it was, it was a lot of fun. It, I had my first Blue Yeti microphone and I was like, I, I think this is fun. And then I kind of slowed it down a little bit. My computer was having issues. Um, I guess it's every five year thing. Your Mac only lasts five years before you need a new one. Um, But my computer was dying. So I was like, I can't actually do a podcast because it would shut off in the middle of the recording. And I I took a pause and then I started to enter um, nightlife a little bit. And I was like, you know what? Let's try it again. Let's do some theater. We'll do some drag interviews. And then it kind of just exploded um where i did a lot of interviews early on and then i was like you know what i like to talk people like to listen let's talk about drag race there's not really a podcast doing drag race at that time because this is like 2017 Mm. and i was recapping drag race and it kind of exploded from there and now um that's all i do is recap drag race apparently um because i am committed to not missing an international season oh how yeah i don't know how you do that Mm-mm. I don't know either. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it's fun um, because I do love the culture. I do love seeing drag uh, from different perspectives. Um, I really am the person who will say that maybe U.S. Drag Race is not the best uh, series and that y'all should I go agree. and watch these international <laughs> seasons. Um, but yeah, I just love the appreciation of drag and I, I have to be um, give a lot of thanks to the people who support drag and nightlife because I don't know if my podcast would have survived if I just stuck to theater, especially during the pandemic. 
that goes into our next question. <laughs> How was your pandemic? <laughs> oh my God, it was terrible. Um, I mean, no, it, the, there were positives, there were negatives. I think that is the story everyone goes through. Um, we all learned something about ourselves. I had a very close relationship with a friend that now doesn't exist. And that was terrible. It was terrible to, because it was the beginning of, of the quarantine where I got close to this person. And then all of a sudden when things started to open up, we started to separate and you're like, well, that closeness is gone. Um, I lost my dad at the very beginning of 2020 um, uh, with, quarant- with COVID. So that was rough. And then because I was like really having this trajectory in nightlife, it all stopped. And I was like, I don't know what to do, but I got to do some producing of some digital events, which really was my way of staying active um, within nightlife on top of the podcast. Yes. I knew most people who listen to my podcast would do it when they were getting ready for a gig or going to a gig. My, I knew my listenership was going to drop. So I needed to be able to, have something that was going to keep me creatively fulfilled on top of the work I was doing with the podcast. So I was able to do a lot of um, events. Uh, Harry Grande and I produced um, Elation almost every month during the first year, um, starting in May after we did our Gaga Chromatica listening party. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we, it was really a great way and my opportunity to work with people that I hadn't gotten to work with in person. And then I brought a lot of those people onto the podcast to do recaps and, and interviews and everything turned out. Okay. Do I wish we weren't in a, like a two year lockdown? Absolutely. <laughs> I do know that my career would be completely different at this moment in time. Would I be in the place I am with the podcast right now? Probably not. Mm. Before we move on from the whole podcast talk, do you have any like favorite episodes or guests that you've had? I mean, you have almost 500 episodes. That's like yeah. so much. Well, I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very much the kind of person who loves a milestone and I've only really gotten to celebrate one big milestone for me. That was episode 200 um, where I was able to, thanks to the the fine work of Ms. Chiffon Dior, um, got oh. to interview <laughs> Devin Green who uh, I absolutely adore. And again, yeah. she was a huge part of my quarantine because my friend and we would watch Welcome to My Home all the time, like to the point we you could quote the entire video. Um, so Devin Green was absolutely one of the best interviews I ever got to do. Um, but it's also really fun to be able to talk to, you know, the Rue girls before they get on the show. Yes. So like <laughs> I had like Honey Davenport and Jackie Cox in my apartment before they even made it to the show. And now, you well, I, I had Honey on post-show. I haven't gotten Jackie on post-show, but. Us um, either. Yeah, she, she's busy. Jackie. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really kind of fun to just be able to do this trajectory of seeing people at the beginning of their careers then later on i'm now doing a series on the podcast called block talk um block talk back where i'm bringing people on who were basically kind of in the first 100 episodes bringing them on see how their lives have changed i've had coco taylor and harry lagrande on both of which have had massive life changes since they were on two three years ago i know they're everywhere (laughs) both killing out <laughs> so the podcast has been super su- successful but for me i'm ju- i'm like oh you just appeared <laughs> so where are you from originally i am from new jersey i was basically raised in a town called mawa which i am going to be saying goodbye to soon my mom is uh almost gonna be selling her house uh we may oh. actually have have a deal um, so that's kind of sad, um, but I'm from New Jersey, so I've always been in the New York area. I went to school in Boston, and I loved Boston for four years, and I was like, that's all I need. And I was like, there's no other place for me but New York. I had to be in New York. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am, I am an East Coaster. I am a uh, Northeasterner, and I think if you know me, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it does. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> So how did you get into the New York nightlife scene? So that was kind of like on accident, I guess. I really was not into drag for a very long time. Shocker, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my best friend, uh, when we were roommates, we basically made a deal. We said, I will watch Drag Race if you watch Survivor. We did that swap. The first season of Drag Race I ever watched was season eight. 
um and that i love predicting winners and everything and i immediately was like bob's gonna win uh because bob was the only person i'd ever seen live before <laughs> um and of course i was like i know drag race clearly um <laughs> yeah so through that um i had been working again with the press release with the press uh for theater been working with spin cycle um and getting all their press releases and everything and then i went back to my archives and see like what events i didn't go to and i was like damn i missed a lot of the rue girls when they were at the beachman so i started to go to the beachman and reviewed all of the cabarets that the rue girls would do um when they would come through town and through that um apparently i guess i was uh, a voice of uh nightlife that vincent cooper invited me to guest judge the finale of lady liberty season two and lady liberty season three and that's kind of how everything kind of exploded into me being part of nightlife and then the fourth season is when jim and i were um weekly judges and that's the year we crowned rose um so yeah i, I, I mean <laughs> yeah I, I think i have to give thanks to vincent for i guess seeing something in me through my um critiquing of drag cabaret and that's really again it's a it's a snowball effect everything in my life has been a snowball one thing happens people see it and then more things happen and then it's up to me to to, to keep it happening and on that note <laughs> i think we we'll talk about more of the snowball effect after yeah <laughs> we um, have a lot we'll be, to talk about <laughs> yeah we do um we'll be right back kids bye, bye. wait did you just say wait Wig, okay. I know, wig, I feel that already. Wig, okay. Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. I am ready for my wig to go flying. And we're back. Uh, Mars here got to wake up with some nice water and some scolding tea from Caitlin. I don't know what she was talking about. Anyways over the break that she's giving me this face but you i'm just like why are you talking about yourself in third person <laughs> <laughs> um martyr doesn't do that i don't know what uh, i don't know what you're talking about martyr doesn't do that <laughs> <laughs> okay anyways anyway that's back, to our guests. Yeah, back to our guests um michael yeah um so we kind of went into it in our first segment um that you're a editor and a critic and a, a writer. Um, how does that like come to be? What inspired you to get into theater uh, or writing about theater and such? So I've always loved to write, um, but I never thought criticism was my route. I took a theater criticism class my senior year and I absolutely hated it. Uh, mostly because we had to like analyze criticism as opposed to actually writing about writing uh... about theater. And I was like, that's not what you told me we were doing here, but I still took yeah. the class um, because it was the head of the department. So you had to be nice and take it. But what school um, were you at, by the way? I went to Boston University. Oh, I, I have, have been BFA. to their campus. <laughs> yeah, I have a BFA in stage management. So ah. um, I have a degree in organizing and Excel spreadsheets. That's correct. Um, me too. Love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, again, I kind of fell into it. It wasn't something that I was planning on doing. Um, but basically for me, I love talking about theater in a way that is constructive. And that's the way I always pinned my reviews. I was not going to be the New York times where I'm going to use, um, SAT words that you have to look up to understand what the hell Ben Brantley is writing about. <laughs> I wanted to write something that is accessible to not only an audience, but to the people I'm reviewing. So if, if I'm going to criticize something, I'm going to give you an idea to make it better or what could have worked or how to make it shape the piece to make it work. Um, and that's how I kind of made things happen for myself because people did respect my reviews. And yeah, when I would do my indie theater reviewing, a lot of those companies would seat me next to Ben Brantley at some shows, oh, especially goodness. when I would uh, go to the flea. Like there were times I'd sit behind Brantley and be like, I can I have your job, please. Yeah. Um, I would do it better. I, yeah, most it was, people would. <laughs> yeah. So it was really a way for me to, if I'm going to be there and I'm going to critique it, I don't I, I'm a theater artist as well. I'm not, I don't want people to tear me down. I want to be celebrated. So let me work with you to, 
to find the things that are going to help your production. And through all that, I was part of the drama desk for two years, I want to say. Um, at that time, I was the youngest um, critic. Uh, a lot of those people at that time were um, people who Old didn't men. even yeah, turn on a computer. So yeah. it was it mm-hmm. was contentious. It was, it, there definitely was animosity. And um, it got to the point where I was still not a voting member. And literally, they denied my third year to be a voting member because they couldn't read my website. It hurt their eyes too much. And I was like, this is not for me. I, if, if you have a problem with how this is working and you are upset that I'm able to have my own outlet, I don't want to be part of this organization. So I was like, screw it. I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, but I've gotten to review a lot of great shows. Like there was a whole year where I was able to do the entire Broadway season. Um, when oh I my goodness. Review, <laughs> yeah. When I got to review uh, Sunset Boulevard, it happened to be the night uh, Hillary Clinton was in the audience and she sat two rows away from me. Um, so like it was, it really had some great opportunities being a theater critic. Do I want to go back? I would potentially do it. If the, if the timing was right and the opportunities were right, I, I would consider doing it because I still get press releases from companies asking me to comment. I'm like, I just, I don't have the time or effort to put into writing right now. Um, which is why I kind of love having a podcast because I can verbalize everything I'm saying unfortunately when it comes to like those organizations like drama desk they don't care about a podcast they don't want to hear your verbal they want to see what's written um mm. but yeah it's it's really a fascinating world um i definitely got to meet a lot of interesting people a lot of theater critics are people like me who had other aspirations and kind of fell into it um I'm not going to say people failed at what they did. We just fell into it in, in a different way. Um, Cause I was also a playwright and, and um, that was causing a little bit of conflict in me is like, how am I supposed to write for other people um, and not feel weird if I get criticized because I got one of my shows reviewed by the New York times and got kind of um, destroyed a little bit. And that, that, that stung, that hurt. So I was like, let's reevaluate this whole criticism situation i feel like a good critic needs to also be on the receiving end too just to like understand Mm. like what their impact is absolutely i mean i've definitely had my fair share of seeing things posted on social media criticizing my my reviews i had uh one company like literally email me asking me to change my negative review and i said no that's not what I'm here to do. No, that's it, crazy. It was, yeah, it was it was it was wild. Oh my goodness. I'm good just going on the record to say that if someone paid me enough, I would change a review. Uh- <laughs> Listen, that's a whole different story. <laughs> I, I, I'm I sure they were not paying yeah. you to change it. Yeah, exactly. They were that was definitely not in the cards. I'm sure there's <laughs> no money involved. <laughs> They're just mad. Uh, that yeah, that's weird. That's and- but there, there definitely have been times where there have been uh, press people who have paid me to go to their shows to review because yeah. they weren't getting people to come. Mm-hmm. And it was always in the understanding, I'm going to review this as I would review any other show. Do not expect a glowing review if it's not glowing. That's yeah. good. That's how it yeah. should be. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I think um, as a theater goer, we need theater critics. It just it yeah. helps you. Because there's a lot of shows that helps you figure out what Absolutely. what you think your time is worth. Absolutely. I certainly read a lot of criticism. <laughs> <laughs> Switching from theater to producing nightlife, <laughs> which is a weird transition, but we're gonna get into it. <laughs> so you've done um, you've produced all over, including Club Coming, Icon, Rock Bar, Stonewall. How, what 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 shows have you produced and like what have you learned from all that? You may know me from <laughs> um I guess the biggest thing people would know me from was iconic. It was at at the time of recording three seasons. Who knows? Maybe we'll return. I don't know. There's a lot of factors for us to return. Um, you know, including speaking with Icon to make it happen. Um, but iconic was basically the biggest thing that I had done. Um, it was a long term, uh, long form competition at Icon. Um, our three winners, Nicole Noscopy, Audrey Phoenix, and Jax, all doing pretty damn well for themselves right now. 
Um, so that was my big show. Through that, I was invited by Club Coming to do a cabaret-style um, competition, which was Drag Race Star. Unfortunately, we never finished that season because of COVID. Um, and as much as people would have loved to have the digital version of it, the whole point of that show was to have a cabaret and to work with an, uh, a pianist and and have a the, the live vocals there. It was not going to work in the digital format. Would I love to be able to do that again? Of course, because it was a really, really, um, it was a special show. And we had some really um, incredible artists through that. And it was amazing working with Lauren Order um, as our host because she does, she's very underrated. She doesn't get the love that she deserves in New York Nightlife. Um, and then I was working at Rock Bar and producing a bunch of fundraisers with them uh, when Coco Taylor and Nicole Anoskoby were Miss Rock Bar. So we did like, um, rock bar goes Broadway, rock bar goes country, those kinds of fun things. Um, but even when I was doing the digital events, a lot of my events would be attached to some sort of uh, charity or organization that we would give money back to um, because it's important as an artist to be able to give back. Um, and especially as a white male, when I was doing the digital stuff, I, I just didn't feel comfortable not giving back to organizations that needed it um so yeah um would i say that i am a producer who makes money no not right now <laughs> uh, maybe in the future but um yeah those those are basically my fun producerial credits at the t- moment <laughs> um do you want to go back and producing at all or absolutely mm-hmm. when i am in full 100 health i will be back i will people will know that i am back um, i have ideas i have lots of ideas um, I really want to do, and I put it out there into the universe. I want to do high school dragsicle. Um, <laughs> may, may, I'm not committing to putting all three into one. I, I'm, I'm going to shoot my load. That'd be a lot. <laughs> um, I, I think I want to do one, two, and three. So we'll, we'll start with the first one. Um, maybe we'll have an Olivia Rodrigo cameo. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll play around <laughs> with it. Um, but yeah, I, I just want, I want to get back into it. I miss it. I really miss the the behind the scenes spotlight i'm not someone who likes to be seen i am i have a podcast for a reason um <laughs> i like to make other people have their moments and that's what producing for me is a big part of it mm-hmm. um yeah i i want to get back i need to get back we've had a lot of contestants on from iconic and they really yeah it. <laughs> yeah it, it was it really is an opportunity to really get to know yourself and push yourself. Yeah, I guarantee you every single person who has been in Iconic will say at least one week of their time they hated me. They never wanted to talk to me again <laughs> and that I was the biggest motherfucking asshole they'd ever no. met. But Why? What'd you do? Because I was a judge. I was a judge. Oh, was oh you were judging. I was judging as well. Okay, and, I got you. And I, w- I gave it to them. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it really was an opportunity to be seen on that incredible stage. Like, not gonna lie, there's not many stages in New York as incredible as the Icon stage. Agreed. It's a good one. Everyone we've talked to seemed to, like, look upon that, like, time in their drag career as, like, like they're very nostalgic for it. They, like, yeah. really, like, learned a lot and, like, really loved it, so. Yeah, I mean, like, who knows mm-hmm. if it continued on and COVID didn't happen. You know what? Maybe, maybe it could have been the... um the, the the second coming of so you think you can drag who the hell knows but we just i miss so you that. think you can drag so, so please, do i um, so please listen. we should bring it back <laughs> i i have mentioned it to Paige before and i don't think Paige is gonna do it no she no. is done she's she done is with happy with she's not even here now. anymore half the time I know. Um, but no i think it would be great to come back i think drag competitions are important as long as they're done properly yes i agree i think it, it just has to be produced right which ones are not produced right? Let's name them. Let's talk about. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you, I think you know more than me. <laughs> yeah, let's. You know what? Is there a paywall? That that podcast is behind the paywall. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy! Oh my god! Okay. We're already canceled. Let me even talk about anything. <laughs> um. So when it comes to theater, you've worked on Broadway and off Broadway, and as a playwright and a producer and a director and a stage manager. 
how do you like kind of di- differentiate yourself in all these roles? So many hats, yeah. Well, I think being a stage manager is why I'm able to do everything mm-hmm. because as a stage manager, you literally have to speak all the languages of theater. You have right. to be able to communicate with an actor and a director and a, a designer and a producer and, and, and everyone in between. So learning those hats and learning those skill sets, that is why I was able to branch out into those other areas um but it is absolutely the most thankless job you'll ever have um if 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 people even know a stage manager exists that's a good sign that's true but if you don't know that stage managers exist that means they did their job right that's right <laughs> um but yeah it's it's really a great way to um still feel creative um as a, because you get to work on all these uh aspects and through all that like i think um, there was one off-Broadway show where we unfortunately lost an actress because, due to a mini stroke. I, ha- as the stage manager, had to bring in another actress within three days and put her into the show because we were already running uh, the show. And that really tested my directorial skills. And it was one of the best opportunities I've ever had. Um, I mean, I remember our official opening night, the actress gave me a, a, a a box of cheese sticks because that's what she gives her um gives us gifts and wrote on the back of it said you're the best stage manager i ever worked with um and that always stuck with me that that kind of thing was important so i was like you know if i can do that kind of thing let me direct on my own i directed a couple little short things um but playwriting was really um my opportunity to share my voice and my views um there was the, when I first started, I had basically a play a month, either produced or read in New York. Wow. Re- yeah, it was really amazing. You would only know it because uh, I was under the name Michael Bradley. So you have to search that oh, for uh, okay. my work. Um, but yeah, I, I love writing. I love um, creating characters. I, I, I just uh, adore it. And I, I kind of missed it. But um, after my musical experience, I'm kind of still... Uh, retired yeah a little traumatized from that experience Um, do you think you'll ever go back to playwriting if i have time i think i would i mean there are definitely if if you look at the notes on my phone the notes app there are lots of ideas there are there are voices in my head ready to uh be put on the page um i just have the timing has to be right the timing really has to be right um, I had one play that I had done um, called Pageant Tales and Beauty Fails. I was done at Theater for the New City. Uh, I think it was 2016. And it was about a fictional beauty pageant. Um, super fun. And I had a friend who was like, you should redo it, even as a reading, but with drag queens. And yes. Like, <laughs> and it's been, again, was going to happen if COVID didn't happen. Okay. Um, I think I need one of those nights where people are like, yeah, you're a good writer. I need the validation again to get myself back into the, the writing scene. Mm. Writing's hard. It is hard. It's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. fun though. It's, it's cathartic. I, yeah. I've been trying to get back into it. So I feel your pain. I've been trying to get back into a lot of creative process. So I feel your pain. Um, yeah. I have a very similar, I have yeah. very similar background to you, Michael. So I, I definitely know <laughs> what it's like. Yeah. Um. So we were talking about awards a little bit earlier. <laughs> yeah. You won the KSF award grant for lyric yes. and book writing. Mm-hmm. You wrote a musical. <laughs> wrote a musical. Okay. You um, pronounce it. I don't want to mess this up. So it's the Gory All Girls uh, String Band. It is inspired by a true story in the 1930s and 40s in Texas. Um, and a, the Gory State Farm, which was a all-women's uh, penitentiary, um, a group of women decided to start a um, band and get on the radio to get pardoned, and they all did. And then they went into oblivion, and you never heard from them again. Um, so that was what this musical is about. And through that, I was able to win the um, what is known at that time as the Kevin Spacey Foundation. Uh, um, it was a $10,000 grant that went to our musical. Um, and it really helped us get that musical off and running. It was part of uh, the New York Musical Theater Festival. Um, we 
it was really an incredible opportunity because through that process, like we had multiple readings, we had a concert at 54 below uh, that concert featured the likes of Lauren Patton, Bonnie Milligan and Michael Cerberus. So like, oh my these goodness. people read my work. Like, we literally wrote a song for Michael Cerberus for this concert. Um, so it's now we, also canceled. <laughs> you see why, what happened now? What did something new happen? I don't know. I don't know. Michael, I don't know. I, I thought he got canceled. He got canceled a while ago. But yeah, it was it was it was a really great opportunity to write a musical. Um, because I don't have the musical chops to write, but I had a writing partner who we no longer talk. Uh, so that was why the musical's dead. Um, but he was able to really help find the voice and the sound of the show, and that's what made the show so special. Um, because in the production, all the uh, actors. Uh, play their own instruments and it was all string instruments and it was so much fun it was really really cool and um yeah i miss it i miss it but uh the time again timing is everything and and there was a lot of criticism of why is a straight white boy or a gay white boy writing a musical about women and i was like if i'm going to be put up against this every single time i present this musical is this the musical i really want to be presenting okay i don't Um, really understand that point of view well, they, my director at the time wanted to bring in another book writer who was female just to have a female book writer on the okay. team. I was like, I can't. I, that's, that's but, but, but musicals especially have always usually been written by white men. <laughs> yeah, you would, yeah, you would think that, but that, that tide is turning a little bit and that's okay. Which is, I'm fine with that tide turning, yeah. but like, it, that is the tradition of musical theater. Of course. So um yeah one, one day maybe it'll come back we'll see um i know there when we were writing it like there was supposed to be a movie version by Aunt jennifer anderson's movie company it never oh, happened wow. um but it's an incredible incredible story i hope they bring it back yeah we'll see one i'll day. go see it i love it musicals <laughs> i need to go see another one i um, well, speaking of that, it leads us to our next question. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, what are your some of your favorite musicals or Broadway plays? It's crazy to think that I, on a given basis, depending on my mood, will change the answer to that because I just love musical theater so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I will always have a love for Candor and Ebb. So Chicago Cabaret are definitely going to be in my top spots. Um, as I was finding myself... Spring Awakening was my musical. Oh, me um, too. That's my favorite musical. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I literally, I was an intern in New York working in the theater company. And that summer we would literally do student rush for um, any time a new actor would be in a role. I, I think I saw that show seven times that summer. Yeah, I, I saw that show probably four or five. <laughs> I, so I, I adore Spring Awakening. Um, but I, I, for me, I just love anything that's fun and makes, makes you want to just smile um yeah i think those are probably my my absolute favorites i do i will say six is brilliant i really want to see it i was the last one i've seen um and i would love to go see it again again with the new cast members that's again the beauty of that show is um it's written in a way where anyone could do it and Mm. you'll still have the same it's still fresh Cause I'm very picky. Like, if it's really not the original cast, I don't know. It kind of lose. It gets a little stale. I feel like yeah, with a lot of shows. Um, I saw my first musical since moving here. Um, I, I've seen Broadway. Arthur is not from here. Everyone. I know. I know, right? <laughs> um, I've seen Broadway musicals on Broadway before I moved here, but the, okay. this is the first one that I did really like. I live here. I need to go see one, and it was Little Shop of Horrors, and which is my favorite movie. So, like. Mm-hmm. Mm. That show was so good too, um, but she's my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, um, I haven't seen this production, but uh, when City Center did their summer like little uh, week long revival thing with Jake mm. Gyllenhaal and Ellen Green, I was like, I will be there because that mm. is Cougar City. Oh, that yeah. is the was it? Casting. Oh, it was great. He's brilliant. He's a really good. I've heard he's director. so good. You yeah, know, he, he's canceled he, too, but I heard he's great. Yeah, very, very talented. <laughs> um but yeah it was just it was really hard to believe that as a couple it just didn't make sense it's ellen green though <laughs> right which is why you go to hear her <laughs> sing it but then when you go to the acting part you're like do i believe this i don't know mm-hmm. fair 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 i got you um that kind of leads me into my next question 
which is kind of a surprise for Caitlin. Um, it is a surprise. I don't yeah. know. Because <laughs> um, on our um, when you interviewed me, Michael, on your podcast, we got to talk about it a little bit. Um, but you have a fondness for Disney and the theme parks, and so does okay. someone else in this uh, podcast. They uh, sure yeah. do. Um, do we have to make an announcement? <laughs> yes. yes, we do. Okay, um, we have to make I an d- announcement. I d- um, yeah, we're all well. I'm a closet Disney gay. Caitlin's not closeted about it. I'm not closeted. Um, but I'm but, a Disney gay. Yeah, uh, Caitlin's a Disney gay. But um, what started that love? Um, and I believe you mentioned you um, had a dream of being like a Disney park blogger. Um, and oh, yeah. is there any news on that since we talked? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so as of the time of recording, I'm hopefully still going to be going to Disney in May. Mm-hmm. um oh cute yeah. which where all the parks oh all the parks i mean okay, gotcha. uh, we, we have a reservation we're a disney vacation club member so we have, oh, okay um, where do you stay eight, the boardwalk uh okay. so we have eight days in the boardwalk we're ready to go i just have to, i made my oh i got my 60 day advanced dining reservations all set even oh, though there was so lucky <laughs> even, even though there oh. was a I got up at 5.30, got everything ready. I was ready with my tea. And then all of a sudden I had a little snafu where when we made the reservation, they didn't put me on the reservation. So it didn't link up properly. So for a half hour at six o'clock, once the reservations opened, I couldn't get any of the reservations. I was screaming, literally crying. And then oh, I, no. I got it, but I got all the big reservations. Oh, and you're you know, so lucky. You know what I did as well? You know what I did? I said, fuck everybody else. I'm going to have two dining options for dinner the nights that we're doing dinner. Um, and we'll just cancel one. And then someone, at the someone else can it. get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited. I got August Cantina. I'm going to be a BR guest. Oh, I got them all. Which, I got yeah. them all. Um, but hopefully that trip will, um, I'm going to potentially do some filming um, and we'll see if that is going to lead to anything. But what it will definitely lead to is once I get to ride all the new rides that i haven't done in nine years um i so one of my podcasts that i do on block talk is make mike watch where people come on and watch a movie with me that i've never seen before and then i'll do my commentary Mm -hmm. we're gonna do make mike ride and we're gonna talk about the rides (laughs) and we're gonna talk about the history of them and all the Mm -hmm. funness i just love disney so much i know it's a very controversial take at this moment we know um (laughs) i will support it i know they've already come out yet again to say that they are um determined to get uh the don't say gay bill to be reversed and i'm going to take it at their word and i'm going to say that they're going to do it and 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 that's all i can hope for other people can um get upset and say it's not going to be a thing and cancel me for it i just love disney that much me too i was there last month (laughs) oh i'm so jealous i yeah i haven't been in nine years and i was supposed to go last year but i had um my uh little back and nerve issue so i literally couldn't walk the park so i was like we, we're gonna cancel it then i was supposed to go in december still was not better but uh, may we're doing it we're making yay. it happen yay. um i haven't been in five years but i also haven't been to florida in five years i'm at peace with that uh, <laughs> but you will be going back soon oh yeah uh someone on the podcast is getting married um at Disney. At Disney. <laughs> hey. So, oh, that's fun. That's exciting. Well, we're going to Epcot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Caitlin's the only reason why I'd step foot in Florida again. So, <laughs> you know, it's a great reason. Yeah. Um, and then um, to close off our little segment, um, I don't think we got to talk about it at all. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but I believe it was at Theater 365 where you went to a show. Once a uh, drags 365. Drags 365. Yeah. yeah. Um, um tell us about yeah. that. So basically, I think this was 2018 when I did it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find my footing in nightlife. Um, and I was like, I'm going to go see a drag show every single day, aka just 365 shows, not every single day. I'll see multiple shows in a day. Oh, okay. I can, I can pull that one off. Yeah, that's um, doable. And yeah, it was a really fun experience. Um, because that's again another way I was able to do get my footing into nightlife and meet a lot of incredible, incredible artists that I still call friends. Um, but I, what I would do is I would go, I would take pictures for a while. I was putting it onto the website and doing like mini reviews. And then it got to the point where I was, I got backed up. I was like, it's not worth it. Um, but for that, that period of time, I, there were a lot of people who would 
um, share the photos on Instagram because that's what you do. Um, because I don't take artistic photos like that anymore. Um, <laughs> but it was a really great way to just be able to share what's going on in nightlife in a way that um, Jim was kind of doing through telling you what was there and I was showing you. Mm. Um, and I remember when I interviewed Brenda Darling on my podcast, she told me that it was through me doing the drag 365 that she was able to see who else is coming up in the scene. Cause she didn't have time to go out. Mm. Like when she was working every night and when she would have a night off, she was staying home. Yeah. And that was her way of seeing what's out there and getting to meet people. And I was starting to do it in 2020. I had like a new um, Instagram ready to go and for it as well. And then again, COVID put a massive halt to that. Um, but yeah, it was a really, really fun opportunity to get to go out. And it, it got controversial at times when I heard people were bitching that I didn't go to their shows enough. I'm like, <laughs> you, want me to come? you tell me to come. Otherwise, I'm going to work on my schedule. And if you're there, great. Exactly. That's so crazy. Are they paying you to be there? Like, what? <laughs> like, fine. Give me a drink. Buy, like, yeah, buy get me, free drinks. <laughs> give me tater tots at the West End. Like, fine. I'll come to your <laughs> show. End. But um, yeah, entice me to come. Yeah. May the West End rest in peace. Um, <laughs> Forever. Uh, <laughs> And on that note, I think we should take our final little break and we'll be back with our usual little wrap up. All right. Bye, Bye. kids. Wig, okay. And we're back. We're back. Yay. Um, I love our little breaks. Anyways, um, it's my least favorite question. Caitlin's favorite question. Well, so know, it's it, we're, it's kind of a slightly different version because Michael sure. doesn't do drag. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unless they want to share something on the podcast that we are not aware that of. That we don't know about. Any <laughs> nope. <laughs> <Not happening yet. laughs> Listen, I, I, I have not even determined, like, I've created a show in my mind if I were to do a one night only because I've definitely been tested before where people are like, well, how can you judge if you don't do drag? I'm like, I don't sing and dance. How am I still being able to be yeah, a critic? It, yeah. it that, that, that rule doesn't matter. No. But I was like, you know what? Maybe if just for the hell of it, I'll have to do a one night only and um, do a night of drag. I said I would open with um, pulled from the Adams Family musical and with You'll Be Back from Hamilton because... <laughs> there's the story yeah um because then i then it's open-ended if it goes well i can still do it um yeah. but i'm not gonna do it i i literally have to have there has to be a reason for me to do it and people would have to confirm they would attend otherwise I'm, it would never happen but nope no drag for me i don't even have a name yet <laughs> um no name queen love that <laughs> actually there, there, there's one name that i i always do stick to um beverly ridge you can call her beverage <laughs> oh my god okay. <laughs> that made me chuckle okay <laughs> that one works our tears a fan <laughs> yeah um anyways not our question that i usually ask but here we go um what are your thoughts on the current season of drag race and who do you think is going to be on the next season from new york oh boy okay let's start with the current thoughts yeah it's you know what everyone's saying it's long it's not long it's same as last year we just did all the non-eliminations at the beginning and we got to know everybody. We're just putting them in the middle and it's not feeling great. Um, <laughs> I think what's exciting about this season is the cast is made up of people who were not on all of the wish lists. We have people who That's are true. actually real drag artists who are hustling that got onto the show and the show's realizing, wow, we can make stars out of quote unquote no names. And that's yeah. what makes this season so special. I'm really enjoying it because it gives hope for people to get on the show. And yeah, if you are a big name or a legacy there, you can still get on Tina Burr got on and that's incredible. And there's still a chance for that to happen. But if you are a queen who is still doing guest spots, but you're going to be good TV, you got that chance as well. Um, who do I think is going to win? I think it's down to three people. Yeah. Um, I think it is down to lady Camden Angeria 
and Willow Pill. Um, Rue loves the Brits. Lady Camden is exactly what Rue loves in a drag artist. She is someone I would go see in a heartbeat. In fact, I featured her on the website uh, when I went to DragCon in 2019. Um, so that's fun. So I'm a little biased in that part. Angeria is just a delight of a human. Um, really personifies that old school drag in a young person's body. But then you have Willow Pill, who the show is not having to force a story to us, but we're all loving the story. And I think Willow has a really great perspective on drag. It's a unique perspective on drag. And if ever there was a season where um, I say Drag Race deserves the Emmys, it's this one. Um, I'm really excited by what Willow could bring as a winner to the franchise. Uh, but we'll see. We'll, it, stranger things have happened. Um, now that the chocolate bar is, is out of um, contention, is Bosco uh, uh, a contender? I don't know. It will, if, if, if Bosco were to win, there would be a massive asterisk on the season because technically she was eliminated. Um, oh, they've never matter. stopped Drag Race before. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't matter. I don't know. I, as I, I said on my podcast, so. when it comes to Survivor, it took, I think, 38 seasons before someone who was eliminated came back and won the show. It could happen. It, it's not out uh, uh, of bounds, but that's what I think is also exciting about this season is there are so many contenders. There are so many ways the season can end and it's not a for sure season. Um, but I think I would be happy with everyone, but Deja Sky. <laughs> I call her meh, just sky. Oh, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. But she had her own episode. <laughs> she she sat back and watched Drag Race like we watched Drag Race. That's true. <laughs> the ultimate, um, what's it called? The pit stop queen. Uh- <laughs> um, so obviously you're like us and you interview a lot of queens. Who do you think will get on from New York that right, right. for season um, 15? I am waiting for the day that Pixie Aventura gets on Drag Race because mm. not only is she one of the most well-versed drag artists in New York City, she will give you good TV. She's not going to take shit and she don't have to because she is that good. Um, I would love to see her on. Um, I mean, she doesn't go here anymore, but I have a bias toward Nicole and Oscar. We would love to see her on. Um, does her story lend itself to get onto the show now? Perhaps because she was the New York girl who went home for COVID and now you have her becoming a big star. I got the producer mind. I always have to have that yeah. when I think of who's going to be on the show. Um, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of young drag artists out there who I think could absolutely slay it um, in, from New York. Like again, if we're going to go um, in the world of legacy, sure, we could probably possibly see someone like Tsunami or Janelle Number Five get on and do pretty well. Um, but it was kind of exciting to see Jasmine get on, where you're like, "What? Her? That's our pick!" And then look what she did; she was great television. Um, yeah, I think no matter who you pull from New York, you're always going to get someone good. Yeah, there are no boogers in New York. Questionable. We have Martyr right here. Well, exactly. Well. <laughs> um, so there's been, this is not a question, but there's just been a lot of rumors about who's been getting calls lately. So I've been, I've heard them. I've, I've heard, I've heard, heard some. And one of them that people keep telling me, I'm like, Re- no, that's not, that's impossible. the thing is, every year they say that. And whoever exactly. I get told, it, it, they're never on. So it's all a lie. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll cross-reference after the recording. Yeah, 100%. Because <laughs> I got some tea today. But I'm like, every year people tell me stuff yeah. and it's never true. Exactly. I don't believe anybody until the Reddit list comes out. I, I just heard that Reefy Royalty is hosting Drag Race Bosnia. So I'm really excited. <laughs> Reefy and his dumb jokes. <laughs> Listen, I've already put it out there. I would love, love to host Drag Race Scandinavia. <laughs> um, mostly because I just want a blonde twink, and that's the closest. Oh my god! Oh my god. Uh, that, no. Come on, imagine that pit crew, all blonde twinks. There, there it is. <laughs> or the Netherlands. Oh my god! <laughs> Kayla, next question. <laughs> Kayla, next question. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so, do you have any upcoming projects to promote? 
go crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we're getting close to episode 500 of uh, Block Talk, and I'm very, very excited. I don't have anyone locked in quite yet. There's a couple options out there, uh, but I, I put it into the universe. I want a name. I want someone big, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, no promises yet. But yeah, for now, we're just going to continue Block Talk and and expanding the way I have been. Hopefully with my trip to Disney, I'll be able to continue adding more Disney content, um, adding more uh, Marvel content, because that went really, really well when I added uh, Marvel to the mix. Um, and basically, I, I, I'm easy. If you tell me you want to hear about something on the podcast, I'll make it happen. Um, that's the good thing about being a one-man show is you can do whatever you want on your own schedule. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that respect. Um, but yeah, right now that that's all we got going. That's enough for me. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> How often does your podcast come out? Once a week? Sure. No. Um, no, it's literally uh, this week I've released five episodes. Oh my goodness. Oh, because I know a lot of them are recap episodes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I had released a uh, Drag Race um, season 14 episode, Drag Race Espana. Um, I released a Survivor recap. I released a um, today actually my interview with Jax. Um, And then uh, this year I started the Pop 5 weekly wrap up where every Saturday I have a little panel come on and we talk about five pop culture topics, things, headlines, this week's going to be absolutely insane. I wonder what you could be talking um, about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm very excited for that um, that one. But yeah, because the listeners have become diverse in that way where I, I do have people who don't watch Survivor, but they watch Drag Race or they mm-hmm. don't watch Drag Race, they watch Survivor. So I want to be able to cater to everybody. So yeah, there's always lots of content. And for the, everyone who does list all the episodes and is up to date thank you i appreciate you that's a lot of work (laughs) we can barely do like twice a month (laughs) yeah it's a lot of work but again i it's this new found passion that i've realized um i'm not i'm pretty decent at it we agree that's why you're here (laughs) (laughs) so what's the best advice you've ever been given about producing theater and or podcast? Oh, that's a good question. I think the best advice is don't give up. You, you When you give up, it's not going to happen. Um, my mom is someone who li- loves to give quotes and, and lives by the quotes. Um, and everything happens for a reason. And that's, that's what she, she lives by. And that's what I live by as well. But you, you, if something's not right, then you make it right. You make it happen for yourself. And I feel like while I have changed many facets of what I do, I'm still doing it. And I haven't given up the dream and um, yeah, may, maybe a couple of years I'll sell out and you'll find me um, uh, at uh, H&M selling, um, what joe black was wearing i don't know you never know maybe i'll sell out (laughs) that way but right now i am very fortunate and very lucky to be in the position that i am that i have been able to follow my dreams since i was a kid and i have to thank my parents for that and i have to thank all of the people who have supported me so my advice is just don't give up you hear that martyr don't give it up. Uh, man, I was going <laughs> to give up tonight. <laughs> you gave up five minutes ago. <laughs> Fuck. Thank you, Michael. You brought me back to life. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, oh, it's my question. Yeah, it's my your question. question. It's your moment. Favorite question. Um, mix, Michael. Yep, mix, yep. Michael. Uh, mix, Michael. Okay. Can you tell us a tantalizing tale of a dramatic suspenseful crazy um moment that you've either experienced had a part in heard in nightlife yeah um so obviously i got a warning on this one and and i i I had to think about it and i was like i don't know what i'm gonna say and then i was like oh oh i had the story of course you have the story (laughs) um i don't think this person is going to listen to the podcast but i'm not going to use their name okay 
Mm-hmm. Um, there are people in my circle of friends who know exactly what this incident was. We're going to go back to 2019. And um, it was a very long day. Uh, I was covering all of DragCon. And it was Saturday. And it was my time to go over to Bushwick to cover Bushwick for the podcast and everything. With my press credentials, I was able to go backstage and hang out and kiki with everybody and, and just... If I wanted to watch the show and take pictures, I could, but it, you, you know, Bushwick, it's packed. Everyone's Chaos. You, mm-hmm. you can't get anywhere. So I was in the green room and a performer was had just gotten there um, and they were um, slated to go on very soon, but they had to use the restroom. Now, for those who don't know the Knockdown Center, the green room and the restrooms are not in the same area. Nope. And at that time, around 9.30, the place was packed. Mm -hmm. You could not get to the bathroom and on stage in the amount of time this person really needed to pee. (laughs) And they found a bottle and they begged me to hold it (gasps) as they (laughs) peed on the outside staircase. And that was it. And it was a great moment. And it was a bonding moment. Um, I think we will, our relationship will never be the same. Um, but it was great. It was a moment I will never forget um, because that's sisterhood. You that's do right. what you got to do. <laughs> and so. you know what? I, I, I think as crazy as the story was, we all have kind of crazy stories like that when nightlife. Um, and I'm sure that's not even a crazy story to some. For this show, no. (laughs) (laughs) But it was really, again, it's Bushwick. That probably happened on stage. I I, I was waiting for them to pee in the audience. Right. I've I've seen fisting on stage at Bushwick. This is that was nothing. But it was really uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was it was really a um, a bonding experience, and it was a moment that I didn't expect to happen, but it happened, and it 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 stuck with me for a good reason. and that person's doing great now. And I have nothing but respect for them. And they're an incredible performer and an incredible human. And yeah, you got to pee. If you got to pee, you got to pee. And what's more important, getting to the bathroom to the knockdown center or performing. Performing is going to take precedence. And you're going to do what you got to do. Wow. Yeah. I would just pee during my performance if I was a true Bushwick queen. I'm just saying. not necessarily on <laughs> You're not allowed to though, right? Uh, that hasn't stopped girls before. <laughs> I know they're really strict now. Uh, yes, you have to be, but that yeah. that would be the wildest story. I mean, I've definitely been in rooms where I've seen fights happen and and oh yeah, um, all that jazz. But no, no, this was this was the first hand experience for me at least. And you'll never forget Azalea Banks. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the two one two. <laughs> anyways um caitlin close us off with our, okay, our last question, question. <laughs> what are your future nightlife plans and goals um i think we're getting back to what i said earlier i want to get back into producing i um if iconic can come back i would love for that to come back because at least it's the footing that i had and people recognize it if i have to bring it back somewhere else sure we can do it um but i also want to get back into producing and and celebrating the art form that i really love discussing um maybe i'll be able to do another block talk live again somewhere um because that was always a a journey um but yeah i just i want to get back to what i was doing and bringing and marrying the podcast with uh actual live shows so we'll see what we can do we've talked about that ourselves but I know we will never do it because <laughs> we're lazy. We are lazy. <laughs> we're very lazy. We barely get this podcast done. <laughs> yeah. It was a fun time. I've, I've done three, I think. Uh, the first time, um, I the audio was the worst because uh, I had no help. Second time was great. And that was a very juicy episode. And the third ooh. time was also kind of juicy, but I did that at Icon. So it was, um, I had the terrible ac system in the entire video uh, audio, so there was that the struggle's real with that it, the struggle is real we all can't be race chasers nope we don't got that money nope. <laughs> not yet not yet you never know never know 
<laughs> with their ad revenue. I know, right? <laughs> hey, you never um, know. Shafan Dior might hit the million, mega millions and, and give you all the ads you need. She should. I just <laughs> saw her two days ago. <laughs> I was about to say, Miss Shafan. We're ready. I know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael, thank you so much for joining yeah, us on our podcast. You. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, anytime. I, I um, feel like I learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad. I, I, I'm definitely one of those people where people know me, but they don't really know me. Yeah. Thank you for letting me share my story. Yeah. That's what we like to do. Um, where can the kids find you on the internet? You can find me on Block. Block, Michael Block Talk on Instagram, Block Talk NYC on Twitter, which I never use. Um, you can also find me on buymeacoffee.com slash Block Talk if you want to give a little tip to me and support the podcast. Um, that's basically it. You can find me on Grinder and, and Scruff and all those fun apps too. Um, I love chatting. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note (laughs) thank you again babe I'm Martyr I'm Steve Tepper and this was Um, see you in two weeks okay bye I'm C. Tepper. You can follow me on Instagram at C-T-E-P-P-E-R and read my book, The State of Drag, where I interviewed 175 drag queens from around the world. All proceeds go to charity on Amazon.com. Ooh, I love that. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at DragTheMartyr. And if you have any thoughts, comments, dick pics, send them to DragTheMartyr at gmail.com. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Pandora. And catch up with past episodes on work.com. That's W-E-R-R-R-K.com. Artwork for Wigging Out was provided by Glitter Baby Online. That's Glitter Baby Online. Thank you. Ha <laughs> ha!